Very good morning. Welcome to our 10 a.m. hour of worship. Those joining us online, a warm welcome to you. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Now today our sermon passage, right? It's somewhat familiar to many of us, but also somewhat distant, unfamiliar, strange. Give you an example, right? We're going to talk about the book of Psalms, Psalms 23. Is it familiar? Yes. How about Psalms 22? Psalms 24. Unfamiliar Psalms, right? So not all the Psalms uh, we do know. Some we even sing the, the Psalm. Psalm 119 verse 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light on my path. Familiar? How about the rest of Psalm 119? There are 176. Even I don't remember how many verses are there because it's the longest Psalm. In the book of Psalm, there are 176 verses. Right? So if I can trouble you, even those who are joining us online, grab a physical Bible. If it's an arm reach from you, grab it. Though for those who are here in the sanctuary in front of you, you grab the Bible in front of you. The one in blue, uh, make sure not the one in red. That's the hymnal. The one in blue. Take the Bible. So I want right in front of me, this is my Bible. You find roughly the middle of the Bible. Please don't go and count the pages, then divide by two or these two. Too scientific, uh. rough gauge. Okay, you open the Bible right in the middle. Right in the middle. Uh. Let me try that. Right in the middle, roughly. What book do you end up in? Proverbs. Means a little bit. Right. Hopefully you end up in the book of Psalms. That is right smack in the middle. Disclaimer, this doesn't apply in your ed- application Bible, study Bible. There's one big chunk of information at the bottom. Usually that doesn't apply. Okay, If it's just the Bible itself, with just the word of God, if you open right in the middle, just roughly find the center, open it, roughly you end up in the book of Psalm. But what exactly is the book of Psalm? Right? Why is it so familiar, but at the same time so distant? Why we are so used to going to Psalms 23 in our wakes, funeral, but at the same time the other Psalms, we glance through it, we pass by it. So the book of Psalms is really a diverse collection of poetic expressions representing our faith, our emotions, our experiences. And it's written by various authors. Most famous is King David, Moses, there are some Psalms by the book of Moses, Sons of Korah, etc. and etc. Too many to name because there are 150 Psalms. But these Psalms continue to resonate with different aspects of our lives today. Although written so many years ago, written by many authors, but it resonates in us today. And there are several categories within the book of Psalms. Well, today, I can only focus on a few of them. The first category is a lament psalm. Maybe you are most familiar with it. We are most familiar with it. And later on, we will explore Psalm 54. The lament psalms are the most common because they express deep sorrow, grief and pain that is from a personal experience or communal experience, something that maybe we are familiar with. It gives us the language to articulate our pain, our anguish, as we seek God's comfort and deliverance. They simply teach us to accept. They simply teach that it is acceptable to bring our raw emotions before God. The pain, the anguish, the tears, it makes it acceptable for us to bring our raw emotions to God. However, however, 
in our Singapore words, sometimes we use this word, it's called complain. We bring our complaints to God. Whereas our Singapore complaint and the Psalmist complaint is very different. Let me show you a tiny difference based on just the structure of it. Something that we can identify with. So if we complain, you know, we focus on what has happened, right? Why this thing or that thing made me so upset. Why others should do better. They should improve the system. They shouldn't put this in the way. That's why somebody fell down. And even complain, how can we be compensated? Well, there are many other ways to complain. I'm sure you, are, you and I are very familiar with it. But the psalmist's complaints are very different. You can show the slight. It's a very basic structure that in, consists of invoking God, calling on God's name. Of course, stating the complaint itself, right? Petitioning God to intervene and deliver. Sometimes even asking God to avenge the psalmist. Well, the psalmist goes a step further, a deeper conversation with God by confessing his or her sins or even claiming to be innocent before God, the Almighty God, claiming to be innocent. Last but not least, the psalmist usually ends off with a praise, a thanksgiving, an an express and unwavering confidence and trust in God. And later on, we will dive a bit deeper in uh, going into Psalms 54 as an example of a lament psalm. But let me briefly touch on the other categories to give us a good overview of the 150 psalms. And as mentioned, I cannot cover all the categories. This is just maybe the top five categories in the book of Psalm. The second category is a thanksgiving psalm. Well, thanksgiving psalm express gratitude and praise to God for God's faithfulness, provision and deliverance. Now, these psalms really is a reminder for us to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving by acknowledging God's goodness in our lives. Most often we say that before we partake our food, we thank God for giving us food, thank God for giving us the opportunity to mingle with our friends during meal times. That's a good habit. Psalms 18 is an excellent example where David expressed his gratitude to God for delivering him from his enemies. Well, let's move on to a third category, category which is similar to thanksgiving, which is called the hymns and praise psalm. Something that what we did just now through worship, through joyful expressions of worship and adoration, these psalms invite us to uplift our spirits and declare God's glory to the world. Psalms 47 verse 1 says this beautifully. It says, clap your hands, all you nations, shout to God, with cries of joy. Psalms 47 verse 1. We move on to the fourth category, which focuses on the kingship and reign of God or of earthly kings, which is the royal psalm. Sometimes we read these royal psalms, we don't really understand because we're not in that context. But these psalms really emphasize the role of God as the sovereign authority. He is the king of kings. And if you put yourself, and you see yourself as someone who is king of your life, you want to take control, these psalms will point you to the king of kings, the sovereign ruler of our lives. And as mentioned, Psalms 18 just now was a thanksgiving psalm, but it's also a royal psalm because it referenced the king. Another example, Psalms 21, verse 1 says, The king rejoiced in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give. 
Really, the psalmist in Psalms 21 proclaim, acknowledge God is the victory. God is the sovereign king. God is the ruler, not just of the land at that time, but in today's context, God rules over your life. Every single situation in your life, He is the sovereign God. Well, last but not least is the fifth category. It's called the Wisdom Psalms. And we see that in Psalms 111 verse 10. It states, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His precepts have good understanding. Familiar Psalm? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, such Psalms, these Psalms contain teachings and reflections on God's rules, laws and ways. Basically giving us some practical instructions to live a life that is righteous before God. Give us some insights to navigate through life challenges. For me, Psalms 1 was, holds a special place in my heart as I meditated on it during my time in national service. It encouraged me to stay close to God and serve as a warning against straying away. There is a place for every psalm, right? In that sense. These categories are drawn from the research of an esteemed Bible scholar by the name of Ernest Lucas amidst his compilation, his study from other scholars. And it's important to note that these psalms were written in Hebrew and expressed in the form of poetic literature. That's why sometimes it's distant because the way it's written is very different from how we study English. The way that it's written, it's poetic in nature. So there's different ways to interpret poetry. Today, I'm really merely just scratching the surface by highlighting to you there are different categories in the book of Psalms. But what you and I need to do really is to dive deeper in the book of Psalms to truly appreciate the depth of the psalmist's words. Back in my early 20s, a group of friends and I, we gathered together to meet to go through Psalms week after week. Okay, 150 Psalms, Psalms were too long, too many verses we can't cover in one session of one hour. It took us nearly seven years to finish it because we also had breaks. Uh. Realistically, a June, like now holiday, right? So we also get, not every week of the year we did it. We had some breaks here. And of course, some people can't make it for various reasons. So it took us seven years. And I must confess, I wasn't the most um, regular attendance because at the time I was studying in uh, Trinity Trilogical College. It's very far to travel. So I joined them uh, in the study as and when I can. But it took us seven years as a band of brothers to cover 150 Psalms. We didn't do Psalms 119. We are thinking, how about Psalms 119 in one hour? We didn't do Psalms 119 in one hour. Not possible. 176 verses, not possible. But it's a long time, wide variety. We need time and conviction to dive deeper if you want to know the word of the Lord. But let me just try. Let me try to bring us a bit deeper in Psalms 54. So let me read to you Psalms 54. O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. What a free will offering I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. 
for he has delivered me from my from every trouble and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies so this is the word of the lord let me give you some context of how and in what situation david penned this psalm right so david is the author of this psalm at that point of time the story is found in first samuel chapter 23 verse 15 to 24 david was fleeing running away from king saul king saul was chasing after him wanting his life so king david or david hid in the wilderness in this hill country called ziph wilderness of ziph right so in during this period of time saul's son knew where david was okay saul's son jonathan knew where david was jonathan went to find david encourage david say don't worry right my father will not find you don't worry his hand will not be upon you and that one day you david will be king of israel so they both of them made a covenant before god and david hid in this area called ziph if the people group called ziphonites okay so he was hiding there lo and behold the people group of the ziphonites betrayed him sold him out went to king saul and say hey you want that guy the wanted guy we know where he is we will keep him there we will feed him good food we will entertain for you you take your time bring your troops and we will hand him over right so it sounds like you no know, david was betrayed of his whereabouts what is additional pain is that this betrayal it's a betrayal that is from within the family so the ziphonites were actually from the same tribe as david they were both they were both from the tribe of judah that made the pain double right they made the pain worse but in the midst of all that as david feared for his life being hunted and the pain that he experienced from the betrayal he poured out his heart to god and is in this context he wrote some 54 In Psalm 54, the central theme, the main, main, main point that the psalmist or David wrote is found in verse four, which declare, "God, behold, God is my helper; the Lord is the upholder of my life." Later, I'll talk a little bit more about it. And I want to show you a structure in the psalm. Each psalm has a structure, and I, I, it's too many variations for me to go through the different structure. I would like to dive a little bit deeper in Psalms 54 and show you the structure. So in Psalms 54, the first two verses serve as a plea to God's name. The third verse describes the dire situation David finds himself in. Following this, the fourth verse presents a statement of confidence, which I mentioned just now, the central theme of the psalm, which expresses David's unwavering trust in God. The fifth verse becomes a fervent plea for justice against his enemies, and finally, the last two verses express David's vow of sacrifice and praise to God. Right, so this is a structure. Every psalm has a basic structure. Some variations between scholars they have a different view of it, but there is a structure, and structures help us understand the psalm to go deeper and comprehend and apply it. So you can use a commentary. This is taken from NIV Application Commentary, and investing in a good commentary or a good application Bible 
can help us dive deeper into each psalm so that it will not seem so distant, right? So unfamiliar. It will help us learn. But what can we learn from this psalm, Psalm 54? Well, the first lesson we can learn is David called on the name of God. And here I give you this context, it is not what we imagine it to be like, God help me, God help me, God help me. You know, calling on the name of God, which is fine, which is actually perfectly okay, but he did a bit deeper, he dived a bit deeper, because when the Hebrew or David's time, when they call on a person's name, it's not just calling someone, right? It's saying, calling the person's nature and character, going deep into the person, asking the person to help. So in this case, calling God's might, His dominion, His authority, His supremacy, calling on that. For example, calling on God as Father. God, you are my Father, I'm your Son. Would you help me in this situation? Would you come and see and provide like a Father to a Son? God, you are my divine healer. I'm going through, I'm battling this illness right now. Would you be my doctor? God, you're my teacher. I do not know how to do this in my workplace. Would you kindly teach me? Calling on God's name is a deeper way to, to pray to Him, to talk to Him, to speak to Him, to journey with Him. At the same time, we are acknowledging His might. His sovereignty, His Lord over our lives in the situation that we face. And that brings us closer to Him. Right here, I want to take some time, whether you remember that actually in the pulpit series last year and the beginning of this year, we actually talk about the nature and character of God. Remember God as porter, what does that mean? God as, again, teacher, God as shepherd, what does that mean? These are various ways uh, we can dive deeper and I encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel. If you want to re-watch them to learn more, feel free to do so. But back to David's plea for deliverance. Well, he called on God's name, his character, but at the same time, David calls God to hear and act for us. So, Second reflection we can learn, as you can see from the slide, when we need help, we can ask God to hear and act for us. Well, God, you know, David, when David called on God to hear him, it's not just, Lord, hear me, uh, hear me, thank you, that's all. But it's to hear and act. There are actually two sides of the same coin. When David calls on God, it's to ask God to act on his behalf. And here, of course, to act on the Ziphonites. They were a group of people, right, as mentioned from the same tribe, which also means that they are brothers in arms. They are God-fearing individuals. They know who the Israel God is. They too shared a covenant with God. But David referred to them as strangers. David referred to them as ruthless men who had no regard for God. They totally ignore God totally ignore the covenant. Yet amidst the turmoil, this pain that David goes through, David calls on God as his helper, as you can see just now. He believes strongly that God will sustain him through the attacks, the pain, and he calls upon God to bring justice. 
I'm not sure about you, if I am in David's shoes, it will be very difficult for me to call upon God. In this manner, he didn't just do it in a manner of asking for vindication, like what I think most of us would do, right? God, help me. You know, I'm right, he's wrong. But David called on God to act in his faithfulness. Right? So if I can go back to the verse, if you can see in verse 5, David is asking God to return evil to my enemies in your faithfulness. So it's not just injustice as a judge, but in your faithfulness. God, David is calling God to act out in faithfulness. I'm not sure about you, but in my situation, if I were in David's place, I don't think I have the courage or the faith to call upon God to act in your faithfulness. Which means that I'm asking God to act out not on my terms, but on His terms. See the difference in where we place our faith, we place our trust. David totally placed his trust in God. And he circles back and he comes back and declares God is good, you know. And that really is the third point we can learn, that God is good all the time. David learned that. He knows that. God is good all the time. In our pain, in our trouble, in our thanksgiving, can we truly, honestly come to God and say, God, you are that faithful God. Now you are the good God. Thank you. I'm in the hospital right now, but thank you. It is tough, my friends. It's tough to go through life and honestly come before with raw emotions and say, God, you are the good God. You're the God that still loves me despite the betrayal that I face at work, the family that forsaken me. It is tough, but the psalmist comes with these raw emotions. So the questions that, con- that we have to ask, can we honestly say, God, you are still good in the midst of our trials? Can we love you when life does not go our way? In the midst of the pain or the, even the anger and bitterness towards God and people around you, can we still proclaim God's goodness in our life and say, God, you are good. You are good and you are good and you are good. Can we hold on to the truth that God loves us when we face unfair circumstances in our life? That we think we are, we know we are right even. Can we still say, God, you are good. So let these questions linger in our hearts as we reflect as we submit, as we surrender. And let God be God. And let us be us. And as I want to conclude this message, I cannot conclude without emphasizing the importance of Jesus. I cannot walk away without proclaiming the name of Jesus. Because the first point is we call on the name of Jesus. But Jesus' name is above every name, right? Jesus' name is name above every name. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Jesus is our helper in every situation. He understands where we are coming from. And Jesus is good all the time. Whether we know it, we feel it, we like it, or even we hate it, Jesus is good all the time. Share a personal experience and a question somebody asked me during the midst of my um, 
application to be a Methodist pastor. So back in my home church, you know, going through the application process, it's not a one, two days kind of, it's a few months, uh, two big interviews. And somebody asked me, what will you do or what will you say if you are rejected? How to answer? Right? So simply, I think about it, reflect about it, give a simple answer. It goes back to my identity and I say this, my answer is simply, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. That's simply my answer. Goes back to who my true love is. Goes back to my relationship with Jesus. Goes back to my journey with Him. Because deep down I know Jesus loves me, this I know. The Bible tells me so. So, as I ask the worship team to come up and prepare, and in a short while, we will partake Holy Communion together. As we partake together as a family, as a body of Christ, and I remind us to come with a surrendered heart. Maybe not the whole life you can offer to the Lord right now. I understand that. I'm not asking you to take such a big step. But how about a baby step to surrender a portion of your life, a situation in your life, where you say, Jesus, you're the name above every name. I can call on you as my helper. You are that good God that will provide for me. I can cling on to you despite whatever that is happening around me. Things that I do not understand. Things that I do not have control in. I will still cling on to you. My Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. So I invite you for the next 30 seconds as we close our eyes, bow our heads to just bring forth one situation in your life. All I ask is just one situation where you can call on the name of Jesus. A name above every name. He is the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords. He is the Alpha and Omega. He's the cornerstone of our faith. He's the foundation that we hold on, that we stand on. He's the way maker, promise keeper. He's that light in the darkness. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, will you come into the situation that is in my heart right now? You let your light shine in this area of darkness that I have more questions than answers where I do not know how it will pan out. Where I have a difficult person, Lord, would you just shine that light of yours? Be who you are. Let you be you and let me be me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So Father, you hear these prayers. You know the situation better than anyone else. You are already ahead of us. So Father, Lord, King, Majesty, you let your light shine. To let your presence go forth. Would you be the King of my life in that area? So we surrender to you. So I offer it up to you. Thank you, Jesus. 
thank you lord thank you thank you thank you in jesus name we pray amen